From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 371, for the week of November 20th, 2014. The Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan that perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I'm your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by my good friends Mary Jo Malata-Willie and Michael Bowling. And in this segment, Mary Jo takes a day six drive to Yosemite. Yay! So you're, head- you're heading up in my neck of the woods. Yes, I'm going to head up towards your neck and pass you by. That's what I'm going to do. I'll just wave to you. <laughs> wave at least. I, I will. You? I'll wave. But hey, I have okay. a goal when I go to the Sierras and so maybe on the way back. Um, (laughs) But this week we're going to expand on our day six adventure to actually it's a day six, seven, eight adventure and go to the high Sierras where we'll visit Yosemite National Park. My love for the Sierras started when I was about nine years old. My parents took our family on a trip that would change the course of our lives forever and my children, fortunately. We went on a week long vacation that took us up the coast to San Francisco and then across California to Yosemite National Park. And we stayed in a tent cabin in Curry Village. And I'll get more on the lodging options there, but Curry Village has a city of tent cabins over there. And we stayed there for just a night, and we visited popular locations on the valley floor. On the way home, we noticed that there were a bunch of cars stopped on the side of the road, and we saw a mother bear with two cubs. So, of course, we stopped too, so we could take pictures. And my mom had the window down and she was leaning out when a curious bear cub came up to a car and actually stood on two, the hind legs and leaned into the car. So my mom was leaning against my dad and she said, honey, what do I do? And he said, take a picture. You know, what else do you do when a bear is leaning in your car? <laughs> and um, not to mention that we were in a small Volkswagen bug. So that was close encounters, really. And after our vacation, my parents immediately went to the local white front and they purchased this huge 10 by 12 tent and camping gear. And for the next seven years, our summer vacations were spent in the Upper River Campground along the Merced River in Yosemite Valley. So I have spent many years going there. When I was young and I've taken my children there camping and we've been there as long as two weeks or, or one week and even gone for weekends when I needed my Yosemite fix. And it is my favorite place in the world. So um, now that camping reservations are getting a little bit more challenging, I've also stayed in other lodging over there, especially after the 100-year flood that happened in 1997. If you guys heard about it, um, there was a flood that happened. There was some warm over New Year's. They had a warm smell, spell that melted the waters, and they came flooding down and the valley was um, it washed out a couple of campgrounds that was way over the main the main bridges over there washed out some of the bridges and just created all kinds of havoc so yes I did go there that summer to go check it out which and there were you could see in the tree lines where the picnic tables were, had been stuck up in the branches of trees from that flood so it was uh, nature at its most majestic, I guess, but uh, it took a lot for us to to fix it. But in this particular segment, I'm going to touch on things to do in a limited time in Yosemite, as well as talk about different places to stay. 
And a trip to Yosemite will take at the minimum three days, including travel time. So you should really plan on two nights there. You can combine your trip with a San Francisco to Los Angeles uh, trip or vice versa if you're going to do that. Or if you are based in Los Angeles, you can make it up to Yosemite for your day six, seven, and eight adventure. And I have to admit that, or I have to say that Yosemite National Park, in my opinion, of course, is one of the most beautiful places here on earth. And lucky for us, we have it right here within our reach. So let me tell you a little bit about the park itself. Questions are, are welcome, so don't feel, be afraid to interrupt me. Um, Yosemite National Park is, is large and the majority of visitors visit primarily the valley, which is spectacular, but it's only a small part of the park. Yosemite is a thousand hundred ninety square miles or three thousand eighty one square kilometers or seven hundred and sixty one thousand two hundred sixty six acres um, compared to Yellowstone, which is over two million acres. The valley itself is about eight miles long and it's up to a mile deep. And speaking of the valley, Yosemite Valley is a little unique because it's in a U shape surrounded by the granite cliffs. The Merced River cuts through it. I'm here doing hand gestures. Can you guys see where how I'm kind of yes, illustrating? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> the Merced River cuts through the valley and, and it created the valley. But during the ice ages, huge glaciers were created and they moved down the valley, creating the U shape we see today. And as glaciers push the ground, they create a little dam that's called a moraine. As they created the moraine and they melted, Yosemite became a huge lake. And then as the waters receded, it became a huge meadow. And from then as the meadow dried, then you get the trees, etc. So you can see there's still huge meadows in the valley itself. But of course, there's also a lot of trees. The glaciers also sheared off other valleys that made their way down, creating some of the waterfalls that fill, that we see when we go to Yosemite. And um, I believe these are called hanging valleys. And ages ago, the Native Americans called the Miwoks lived there for, I, they say, seven to 8,000 years ago. They had been um, living in the valley. And what they used to do is they'd live over by Mono Lake, which is on the eastern side of the Sierras. During the summers, they would hike over the pass, Tioga Pass, and go down into the valley and spend their summers there. They called the valley Awani, and they called themselves the Awanichi. And in 1850 to 51, there was a fighting between the Native Americans and the Americans. They had killed some people, and so the Mariposa Battalion went after them. And during this war, the battalion followed the chief, who was named Tenaya, and they came upon Yosemite Valley. And the splendor that they saw, just they, they couldn't believe just how gorgeous it was. And so, of course, immediately they, they started... Uh, they let spread the word that there is this beautiful valley and there are these gigantic trees located in the same area, which we call the sequoias. And people started coming out. On March 25th, 1851, they decided to call the valley Yosemite, which was the name they were calling the Native Americans at the time. The first tourists, they visited the valley in 1855. And because it took so long to get there, people would actually take a lot of their possessions and they would stay for weeks or months in the valley. And eventually people realized that this was a place that needed to be preserved. And on June 30th, 1864, President Lincoln signed a bill granting Yosemite and the Mariposa Grove of giant sequoias to the state of California. 
but it wasn't until 1890 that Yosemite became a national park. And what had happened is people were still um, doing logging and other things. And that is one of the reasons why Yellowstone was created as a national park. They saw what was happening in Yosemite and they didn't want that to happen in, in Yellowstone. So Yellowstone is our um, first national park. And then Yosemite, I believe that came after it. And thanks to people like Galen Clark, who was the first guardian, and John Muir and the Sierra Club, the importance of preserving Yosemite was made well known and it's continued today. Uh, you can't go to Yosemite and not hear about John Muir because he did so much for the valley or all of Yosemite. He loved the Sierras and he was from Scotland originally and he went over there and he would write um, lots of, he would just write about Yosemite and the beauty of it and that word got out. And his passion for the Sierras, they created the Sierra Club, and it was created to preserve the this area. Um, the rangers that maintain it today try to keep it as natural as possible, which is a huge challenge since the park gets so many visitors. They get more than, than 4 million people that go annually to the park. And in the past, rangers would do things like feed the bears, which delighted the people there, but it proved detrimental to the bears because they grew to really like the human food and they would scavenge for it. And bears are really smart. The parents would teach their children that they could get the food from from the people visiting the valley. And I think they, even today, they still try. But things have changed a lot. And where before people were encouraged to, to feed the bears, now it's verboten. They just... You just cannot do it. And every, as soon as you go into the valley or as soon as you enter Yosemite, they'll tell you, do not feed the bears. That's like the number one sign. And they'll say so many bears um, sightings have been, uh, they call them bear incidents, have happened. And basically, if you leave any food in your car overnight, bears, their um, sense of smell and their sense of sight are very keen. And they'll open a car like a can of tuna or sardines to, to get to the food. So... That's something they don't want to do. So if there's any kind of indication that these bears are losing their fear of people, the rangers will tag them. Well, they're all tagged anyway, but they'll grab them and they'll send them up to the high Sierra. But if a bear charges somebody for their food, then they will put that bear down. And that has happened in the past. Nobody's ever been killed in Yosemite by a bear, but, um, and they don't want it to happen. So everybody's, um, encouraged highly not to feed the bears. Um, and one of the cool things, I one time we were over there and we saw a bear swimming across the river. That was a really neat... We've seen bears several times when we've gone over there. Um, also, the rangers will not interfere with nature. An example for those of us who have been to Yosemite back in the 60s and 70s, um, at the foot of the iconic Half Dome, if anybody sees any pictures of Yosemite, what you're going to see is you're going to see Half Dome, which is a, a very famous landmark for Yosemite. At the foot of the, of the dome... Soaring over California. Oh, right, right. You, you see that in Soaring over California and in the scene where the hand gliders going over Yosemite. Um, at the foot of Half Dome, they used to have a lake there, and it was called Mirror Lake because it was so still, it would show the reflection of, of Half Dome in there. And that was just a beautiful spot to hike to. But the 
rivers that fed that lake would bring a lot of silt down from the mountains and they used to dredge it to keep it. And in the 70s, they decided that they really need to let nature do what nature does and we needed to have less human impact on Yosemite. So they decided to stop dredging the lake and now it's called Mirror Meadows. If you go in the early springtime when the waterfalls are at their highest, you you can still see a little bit of the lake and get that reflection, but by summertime it's all dry. So that's just an example, one example of what they've done that they've changed over there. Also, you're not allowed to walk in the meadows, and there's lots of rules when you go to Yosemite that you might not get in a, in a um, non-protected environment, but it's really to keep the valley and the park as pristine as it can which they do a really good job with everybody that goes there. And I can go on and on about the geological features of Yosemite, but let's talk about visiting the park because that's what a lot of people want to know. And when you visit the valley, my uh, favorite route to use is 41, which is the southern entrance. There's three ways to get to Yosemite. There's Route 41, which is the south entrance. There's 140, which is if you're coming from San Francisco, you're going to take the 140 to get to Yosemite. Or if you come in from the north, you take the 120 from, you um, will take the 120 if you come in from the east of the Sierras um, over the Tioga Pass, which is 10,000 feet up, and then go down to the valley that way. That's probably the most spectacular route is to go down the 120 just because of the, the high Sierras that you get to see. But I really like the 41 because when you come in, you're you're going through Fresno. Don't forget you need to wave to Tom and Christy and Wes. I was going to say, 41, you are coming by my, my way. Yeah, that's that's what we do. We take 99 to the 41. So you take 5 to the 99 to the 41. That is right. Yep. And um, the 41 takes you right to the to the um, valley entrance. And it costs, at the moment, it's $20 to get into the park. And that will last you a week. When you go there, and if you when you get to the park, you still have 45 minutes to get to the valley. So let me just give you a, a quick rundown on the route. Um, at the park entrance, you can go one of if you go right, you're going to get to a place called Mariposa Grove that I'll talk to you in a bit. If you go left, you're going to go towards the valley. I believe it's about 45 minutes to get there. As you drive through, you're going to pass a place called Wawona, which I will talk about. You will pass the and the road that goes to Glacier Point, which I will talk about, and continue to the valley. You'll notice that there's a big tunnel, the real famous tunnel to get there. And at the other end, as you come, as you go through the tunnel, the valley, you have this panoramic view of the valley and you have a place where you could park your car. I highly recommend you go there. Park your car and just take it in. I usually end up crying because <laughs> it's because when I get there, I just love it so much. And when you get to the tunnel view, which is what they call it, um, you'll see a huge granite to the left. That's called El Capitan, which is the largest granite cliff, I guess, or granite granite uh, rock in the world. That's my understanding. A lot of people will climb that that um, granite rock. And let me ask you guys, there is a guy who's um, climbed it the f- and he's broken the world record. How fast do you think, how long do you think it took for him to climb, to rock climb, to scale 
El Capitan. I have I have no idea. No idea. No guesses. How tall is it? Um, I think it's three thousand. Oh wow! Because Yosemite Valley stands at four thousand feet high, and Glacier Point is seven thousand. El Capitan's about as high as Glacier Point. So and, and so, it's about so he's he's scaling three thousand. The the fastest um, that this person has done is two and a half hours. Wow, he's he, which is incredible because it usually takes people a you know a full day or a couple of days um, to to scale it. And if there's somebody scaling it, you'll you can always you'll always know when somebody's doing that because there's a bunch of people in the meadow taking pictures and they have binoculars or telescopes or something to watch the climbers. And it's really hard to see them with a with a naked eye. You can if you look really hard. So binoculars will really help. Um, you'll also see straight ahead of you. You will see Half Dome, which is the one that I mentioned. And Half Dome is, uh, like I said, the landmark that that represents Yosemite. To the right, you're going to see a waterfall, and that's called Bridal Veil Fall. The Native Americans called it Pahono Falls, which means um, I think it meant like angry person because it's, it's just the water just spews out and everything. It's just gorgeous. But you drive down into um, the valley. You pass by Bridal Veil Fall and you have a couple of places you can park. Now, one thing about the valley, like I said, the rangers really try to minimize human impact there. So, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to park either at Curry Village or park at the public parking lot that's near Yosemite, Yosemite Visitor Center. And the reason they do this is there's so many people that go, they don't want cars all over the place. You don't have a choice, really. Your, your choices are to park and take the free shuttle to go to different places or to walk. And I don't recommend walking because it's kind of far when you go down and you pass Bridal Veil Fall I recommend stopping there first before you go into the rest of the valley and at Bridal Veil Fall to get to you you can walk to the base of it and it's a five minute walk to get there I believe that it is accessible because Yosemite has changed a lot the rangers have changed a lot um, so you can go there. However, it's a little steep to get to the base. They don't recommend going beyond the base of it just because the rocks are slippery, but you'll get people at the, um, as summer comes along and the falls are not so, uh, robust, people will be climbing on those rocks and they're very slippery and people will fall and chip their teeth and do other things like that. But I, I highly recommend going there for a nice, quick, a uh, quick walk over there. Have either of you been to Yosemite, Tom or Michael? Yes, I have. have, you- I have but it was several like times elementary school or something a long, long, long time okay. ago. And have so I'll talk. I'll ask Michael. Have you been to Bartlevale Fall? Okay. Yes, I think though I went up there when I was a teenager. Okay, so it's been a while since you've been there. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's. To Bridalville yeah. Falls. It, it's a very quick walk and it's a nice introduction to, to see the waterfalls. Once you, when we go, 
once we leave the waterfalls, we'll typically drive to the Curry Village. They have a huge parking lot. Parking lot ha- is among oak trees. And so it's uh, pretty rustic, but it's fine to park your car over there. And at Curry Village, that's a, uh, they have a couple of shuttle stops over there. So you can either take it in one direction or another. One of the places that I highly recommend visiting when you go to the valley is the visitor center. The visitor center will show you, um, it has exhibits that show how um, the valley was formed and you'll get a lot of that. Plus they show the different animals that live there in the valley, etc. And then it's part of the visitor centers. They have a little museum that shows a typical village of the, of the Miwok Indians or the Awanichi tribe that they live there. And they actually have descendants of um, Chief Tanaya and the other um, Miwoks that live there who will talk to the visitors. They show you how they made games um, that you could, and they, they show different games that they played when they lived there. And they show, um, I think they showed us how they made baskets was when I was there, that's what I saw them do. So it's really interesting to go over there to walk through the little village and to get some of that um, part of Yosemite. And although I highly recommend the visitor center, I would say just spend a little bit of time there because you really want to see the park itself. And one of the things that you want to do when you go and you take the shuttle, you can stop, like I said, at the visitor center. They also have, which is really cool, is a... Uh, kind of cool in a sad, creepy way, is a cemetery of the inhabitants that used to live there when they, when uh, the white man, will say, first lived in Yosemite. So they have the, the grave of the first baby that was born in Yosemite and other people, which makes it kind of interesting. But after visiting um, the visitor center, I would say continue on the shuttle and go to the base of Yosemite Falls. And when you go there, it's probably another five-minute walk or so. And what you'll do is you come to a bridge, and you're at the base of Yosemite Falls, and you, there you'll get the power of the falls. Now, Yosemite Falls is fed by the glaciers and the snows. At this time, right now, we're going through a drought. So Yosemite Falls dries up faster, earlier in the year than normal. So if you go anytime up to the beginning of July, you're going to have a decent waterfall. As July goes on, the waterfall is going to start dwindling. And by August, you might not have any water at all. Just so you just be prepared. The later in the year that you go, you're not going to be seeing a lot of water and probably none out of that particular waterfall. The two things you can do if you want to walk and along the valley, which I recommend because it's so beautiful, you can actually walk from Yosemite Falls along the along the valley side of the valley back towards the visitor center, or you can even walk all the way to a hotel called the Awani Hotel, which is a five star hotel there. Beautiful, beautiful dining room, and well worth the visit. If you're, whether or not you stay there, I would, it's a nice place to go. Once you get back to the visitor center, grab the shuttle again and go back to Curry Village and you can rent bicycles, which we've done, and you can ride around the different roads and trails. They have bike trails there in the valley and get off the regular road where all the tourists are and go explore a little bit. It's a nice way of exploring the valley without, without walking if that's not your thing. 
But if walking is your thing, then I recommend going to a place called Happy Isles. Happy Isles is the trailhead for a hike to a couple of waterfalls. One is called Vernal and the other one's called Nevada. Now, if you don't want to hike all the way up to Vernal, Nevada, uh, Vernal, I believe, is 1.7 miles, like one and a half miles. And Nevada is three miles to go up there. So it's going to, that's really a, uh, an all day type of event. But what you can do is you can hike to this bridge. It's a quarter mile to get to the bridge where you can see Vernal Falls. The hike is a little bit steep, but it's, if it's well worth it and you can take your whole family. We, we've been hiking there since, um, I was a little girl and I took my kids hiking there when they were four or five. So it, it can be done by, by anybody. After you've seen the valley, I recommend the next place that you go to is a place called Glacier Point. Now, Glacier Point, as I said earlier, is 3,000 feet above Yosemite Valley. And Glacier Point is the point where people will hand glide if they go hand gliding off um, over the valley, like we saw in Soaring Over California. And actually, one day, my kids and I, I told my kids, hey, let's go to Yosemite. We left at 1.30 in the morning. We got to Glacier Point at 7.30 in the morning. And we were there in time to watch the people preparing to hand glide over Yosemite. So that was really cool. I was really tired after that, <laughs> but um, it was it was really nice. Now Glacier about Point, about a six hour drive in the middle of the night. Um, it was no, it was actually still seven hours. Seven, okay. Well, no, one thirty. Yeah, it was six hours. Yeah, uh, I don't recommend speeding, but I really wanted to get there. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was one of those those things where. I was thinking, oh, shoot, I'm not going to get to Yosemite this year. Uh, let's go this weekend. And it was a Friday. It was a spur-of-the-moment decision. I called Curry Village, got a tent cabin, and told the kids, picked them up from school, and said, we're going to Yosemite. So, Nice. Those yeah. kids, sometimes that's the best kind of trip. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it was fantastic. Fantastic. Um, up at Glacier Point, there's, there's actually another point called Washburn Point. Right before you get to Glacier Point, um, I recommend stopping there because you'll get a different view from than from Glacier Point. And at Washburn Point, you're going to see the two waterfalls I mentioned before, which are Nevada and Vernal Falls. You'll see Half Dome and you'll see another waterfall that can only be seen from a couple of places. It cannot be seen from the valley. And this is called Illouette Falls. And Illouette Falls um, carries the most volume than the other waterfalls in the valley. And I'll tell you now that if you like hiking, this this summer what I did with my uh, one of my girlfriends from work, we went to Yosemite for the weekend, and we hiked from Glacier Point down to the valley. It was 8.2 miles, and we took a bus to the top, and we hiked down over Illouette Falls, Nevada Falls, and Vernal Falls. And as... There's two ways to go down. One is to come down the side of the falls or one is to take the normal trail, which is like a horse trail. That's a little bit more gradual. Well, I decided that I wanted to go down next to the waterfalls, which was really stupid since I wasn't in shape. And the last mile, <laughs> I was literally hobbling and I would take a few steps and had to stop. And I have never been in so much pain in my life, but I'm doing it again next year. I'll be more prepared. 
because the, <laughs> the, the hike is my favorite hike. It's beautiful. It's, um, as you hike down, you have views of half dome, the waterfalls and just views of Yosemite that you cannot see from any other place. But, um, yeah, I couldn't sleep that night because my legs hurt so much. And the next day, every time we, we got stood up, we both groaned. It was really funny. Um, the hike, that hike, I think takes six to, I think it takes six to seven hours and it took us 10 to hike it. And we met some young people on the shuttle going back to where we were staying and they hiked 10 hours, but they hiked up to Glacier Point and they hiked down the panoramic trail. So if you're young and in shape, it's going to be a, uh, an easy hike for, I'll say a moderate hike for you. If you're more mature like me and not in shape, it, it, it can take you a long time. But as long as you have your bottled water and stuff, it's, it's doable. But one of the most beautiful hikes I've ever been on in my life. If you're not into hiking and you just want to see Glacier Point, you can go over there and they have an amphitheater that overlooks the valley and they also have the glacier point itself and when you go to glacier point you're going to see yosemite falls and the valley spread out before it's like a map spread out below below you they also have a geological hut to um, that gives you a little bit of history on how the valley was formed and you can actually see where the glaciers were just from the pictures and everything so it's it's truly truly a beautiful place to go to when you go to Glacier Point, there is no restaurant up there. They do have a gift shop with some snacks if you want to get something to eat up there. So I recommend that you either pack a lunch. If you can't pack a lunch, then plan on eating some snacks and then having a real meal when you come down to the valley again. Speaking of... Uh-huh. Now, Mary Cho, I'm sorry. When you were little, did you ever see the Yosemite Firefall from Glacier Point? We went Point? the year that they stopped. Did you see okay. it? No, no, I've never seen okay. it. So, but I mean, I've only seen, you know, people's home movies. And all that oh, yeah. It's, and what it is, is up until 1969, what they would do is they would build a huge bonfire on Glacier Point. And then somebody would stand down at Curry Village and somebody would stand up at Glacier Point and they would shout to each other and they could actually hear each other. And then the person from Curry Village would say something like, let the fire fall. And they would shove, shovel, uh, coals. Oh, what they would build a huge bonfire and then there would just be embers left and they would shovel these embers over the cliff and just create a firefall. And it became a tradition and people would stay every night. They would do this and people would sit there and what they'd watch the firefall. Um, but one year, the hotel that used to be up there, unfortunately, caught fire, and um, there went the firefall. So they stopped that tradition. Right. I think the National Park Service said, if you want to see something like this, go to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. And they said people should focus on the natural wonders. That's exactly of the right. valley. Mm-hmm. They like I like I had said earlier, they really want the national park to reflect nature. And, and the human imp- make the human impact smaller. Um, so that's another reason why they stopped it. 
Uh, you could, I would say that if you go to Glacier Point, you're probably going to spend, it takes about an hour to get up there and you'll probably spend maybe another hour while you're up there sight to see what you need to see. On the way down again, you can take a hike to a place called Sentinel Dome, which is another, it's a dome that overlooks the valley. And what's nice about that is you're already up high, so you're not really climbing anywhere. You're just hiking to this dome. And so it would be easy to moderate and would not take long at all. So that's another, that's a nice thing you can do while you're up there or on your way back down. When you get back down to the valley, I'll talk about eating later. Another place to, uh, to visit is back, is going back towards the entrance of Yosemite and that's Wawona. They have a pioneer center there and the pioneer center has a covered bridge and has samples of the type of wagons that they used way back when they first started coming into Yosemite. And the road that they used to take to Yosemite was a lot steeper than what we take now with our cars. And I just think about those horses and how arduous it was to get there in those days. And I, I'll, I tell my kids, no, I was not alive in that time. So <laughs> hush. <laughs> but um, so over there at Wawona, you have the Pioneer Center. You also have horseback riding over there, which is nice. Continuing back towards the entrance, you pass the entrance and you go two miles beyond that and you get to a place called Mariposa Grove. Mariposa in Spanish is mariposa. That means butterflies. So maybe there were butterflies when they first found it. I don't know. But in this grove, there's the giant sequoias, which are the largest trees um, in the world. That, and that's the volume. That's the wood volume comparative to the in comparison to the redwoods along the coast, the California coast, which are the tallest. Two things. If you go in the summertime, one of the cool things you can do is you, there's a tram uh, for a very small fee that'll take you to the end of the grove. And you can either take the tram to the end of the grove and then take the tram back, or you can walk back. I recommend walking back. The trail is very easy. It's um, not very steep at all. And you get to walk through... Um, a bunch of different interesting trees. They even have a tree that's a tunnel tree that you can walk through. Now, the famous Yosemite tunnel tree um, cr crashed the winter of 1970, between 1969 and 1970. That tree crashed. And so uh, it's called, it was called the Wawona tree, and it's now laying on its side. So um, what they don't do anymore is they don't allow cars to go through the trees anymore because... Pine trees, fir trees, and all those type of trees, the roots spread out. And when these vehicles are driving near them, they weaken the roots and it causes the trees to um, fall over when there's snow or high winds, etc. So it, to protect them, they just don't allow that anymore. Now, if you're going to go to these places, like I'm saying, you really need a couple of days so that you can visit without rushing through. The different types of lodging that they have. Of course, the cheapest lodging that they have over there would be camping. But because of that flood, two campsites or two campgrounds were, were destroyed, were washed away and the rangers decided that they were not going to replace them. So there's three campgrounds there to accommodate everybody that are in the valley. You can make reservations six months ahead, but they're very high in demand. So I, I don't even try it anymore. If I'm going to camp, I'm going to camp in um, 
Sequoia. And when I go to Yosemite, I'm going to stay in a place called Housekeeping or Curry Village. So let me tell you about Curry Village. Curry Village, I think, is the most economical. They have what's called tent cabins. The tent cabins are on a wooden platform. They're made out of canvas. They have a wooden door so you can lock it. But you can't have any food in there at all because, like I said earlier, they have these bears. And the bears, if they smell anything, they will come and eat it. So they can break into the tent, tent cabins. What they Yosemite provides are what they call bear boxes. So that you can leave anything that smells, your deodorant, chapstick, etc., plus any food, all has to be put in these bear boxes. The tent cabins are really comfortable, though. They have single or double beds, and they have sheets. They have a little sink in there, electricity. And they have, if I remember correctly, they have um, army. Remember those army blankets? They're real heavy, so they keep you mm-hmm. warm when you need to, to stay warm. They also have hard-walled cabins, but those go pretty quickly. You can rent them, I think, a year in advance. Hard-walled cabins come with or without a bathroom the tent cabins do not come with a bathroom so you have a communal bathroom that you can use over there which isn't bad at all i've i go this just like camping they have electricity hot and cold water in there um and they also have showers for people who who want to use them and they're pretty clean especially for camping standards they also have an amphitheater there at curry village so you can see ranger programs etc I've stayed in a cabin without a bathroom, and it, it, I would compare it to the Motel 6 that Tom reviewed. <laughs> nice. So, so how, much, how much did, like, the tent cabins run? Tent cabins run a little over $100 a night. Okay. And the uh, hardwall cabins will run more, you know, like 100 and, 130 40 50 depending if you have a bathroom or not. Right. And the season, probably. And this, oh, of course, the peak season or the non-peak season. Yeah. And peak season, of course, is the summertime, but they also uh, consider the Christmas uh, time to be peak. A lot of people will go there at Thanksgiving and Christmas. So, and also holiday weekends. In addition to Cree Village, they have Yosemite Lodge. I've stayed at Yosemite Lodge and it's really nice. It's kind of like, that really is like staying at a, a nice Motel 6, I would say, because they have rooms next to each other. And the rooms on the first floor will have little patios. They have interior um, interior corridors to get to the rooms. I'm trying to remember. Yes. And they even have a room that's it's called a, an ecological room, which I really... It was a, like a green room, which I really, really liked. It's got a beautiful... Uh, I think that it was a queen size bed, beautiful bathroom, and with a view of Yosemite Falls or or Half Dome, which is just really really nice. So that hotel is a little bit more expensive; it's about two hundred a night to stay at Yosemite Lodge. But you get all the amenities. That's really like staying at a hotel slash motel. Whereas Curry Village is a lot more rustic when you stay there. Another option to stay in the valley is the Awani Hotel. Now, this is a five-star five hotel, absolutely gorgeous, and the hotel rooms are going to run anywhere $400, $500 a night to stay there. I've never stayed there myself, but I do know people who have stayed there. Oh, and over at Curry Village, 
they have a swimming pool and the Iwani Hotel also has a swimming pool. So if you want to be a little bit more um, resort feeling, you could go there. The Iwani has a great brunch. You know, I've never eaten there. I've been in their, of course, their dining room is absolutely gorgeous. It's with magnificent. It. Yes. Yeah. Carol's grandfather helped build the Iwani. What? Yeah, his um, he, his company, um, they did the steel for the Iwani. And my mother-in-law remembers when they actually had to camp in the Yosemite Valley when she was a little girl as they were putting up the uh, the skeleton for the Iwani. That's fun. Oh, that's that's pretty darn cool, Michael. Yeah, that's that's good history. Um, the Wani Hotel, although it's made out of, um, like Michael said, steel and and cement, it's made to look like the natural surroundings, so it blends in with Yosemite Valley and the environs. It's, it's an absolutely beautiful hotel. When they were building the Grand Californian, the um, Awani was one of the hotels they looked at for inspiration. I think maybe the large fireplace could be um, was inspired by that because they have one at the Awani Hotel, which is nice. Um, another place to stay at, and this is the one that I stay at most often when I go there, is called Housekeeping. Now, Housekeeping is as close as you can get to camping without actually pitching your tent and sleeping on the floor. And what they have there are three walls. Each unit is made of three walls that are cement, a cement floor. And then the fourth wall or the, the entrance wall is just a canvas, uh, canvas curtain that you tie shut. So you can't secure it like you can at the tent cabins. They also have bear boxes there. And what I like about this place is they also have electricity they have a picnic table inside on that cement uh, patio, and it's semi-private. They have a fence that's either going to be made out of um, boards, like a regular fence, or it's made by a bunch of saplings that they, you know, looks like has a more natural look to it. And they have a counter along the patio wall, and you with a plug, so you can put your camp stove there and whatever, what have you. When I was there this last June with my friend, we saw microwaves there. And I was like, okay, this is kind of crazy that they have micro microwaves when they're camping. But, Not camping? Yeah, that's right. But um, what the comfort, the nice thing about it is they have a double bed and then a set of bunk beds. And you take your, your own, I use, I just took a sheet to cover the mattress and slept in my sleeping bag. But they also offer bedding. So for those people who are coming in from out of town that are flying in and taking the bus or renting a car to go to Yosemite and don't have camping equipment, you can have the bedding for a nominal fee to sleep there. Cook your own food. And they also have a place where each unit has its um, can have a campfire. Another nice thing about housekeeping, it's right next to the river. So you can go out there. And one of my favorite, favorite things, um, memories about Yosemite was back in 2000, my cousin and I went with our kids and we went in the, I like to go in the second week of August because the, there's a huge, every year we go through that meteor shower. So there's a lot of shooting stars. And so we went there to the edge of the river and we were, and it was pitch, pitch black. We couldn't see anything. So, you know, we, 
just shined our flashlight so that we could see where we were going, sat there on the ground and just watched the, the stars, which were magnificent. Kelly ran back to our, our tent and she got our pillows. So we ended up laying there at midnight just watching the stars and we ended up seeing a couple of satellites, some shooting stars. And it was just really one of my favorite memories of Yosemite. Just one of the nice things that you can do there. So I do recommend housekeeping. The only thing about housekeeping though is, um, there it is, it's like a little city, just like Curry Village. So there's a lot of people there. You don't go to Yosemite Valley expecting solitude because of the number, sheer number of people that go there. And you just have to expect it. If you do want to go someplace that has, um, more space between you and other people, then I recommend going outside the valley and camping along those campgrounds that are off of the 120, which would be like White Wolf or something, one of those, or going up to Glacier Point, they have the Bridal Veil campground. There you're going to have a little bit more rustic, more space between you and the other person, but you're not going to have the advantage of being in the valley where you can have this huge river that you can swim in, do rat, go um, rafting on. Um, all tons of trails to hike on that where you can actually get away from the people too if you want to do that but but those are the the main places you can also stay in a cabin uh, a nice cabin there's three places in yosemite that offer these one of them is and my favorite is redwoods of yosemite now the redwoods of yosemite is over by wawona hotel oh i didn't mention the wawona hotel outside the valley but inside the park is the Wawona Hotel. This is the oldest hotel in Yosemite. It was built in 1920. Another beautiful place. They have a golf course for those who like to go golfing. That's also where the stables are that I had told you about. And this is a nice place to go if you want to get that old-fashioned feeling of, of staying in a hotel, eating in the dining room with other people. And I believe that some of those rooms either come with or without a bathroom in some of those rooms. So you're either going to share a bathroom with other people inside the hotel, or if you pay a little bit more money, you can have your own bathroom in the hotel, but those rooms are limited. Near Wabona Hotel is the Redwoods of Yosemite that I told you about. And along there is another river. It's called the Chilnuanwa River that leads down to the Merced. And there's a waterfall over there too. The reason why I like this place is because between where all these cabins are, the the area is relatively flat. So if you like to go walking or hiking, etc., this is a good place to go. When we were there, I went with some some friends. We shared a cabin, and the cabins are kind of expensive. They're again is anywhere from three hundred to five hundred a night for these cabins, and it also depends on peak season or not. In the summertime, you cannot use the fireplace in these cabins, but in the wintertime, you can. And we were actually next to a meadow, and every morning, a um, herd of deer came by. There were seven of them that we saw every morning that came by in the meadow. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, we ended up, fe- ended up feeding them pumpkin. We found out they like pumpkin because it was autumn when we went, and we had made jack-o'-lanterns, and as we were cleaning up, a jack-o'-lantern fell off our deck and the deer came and started eating it. We were like, oh my gosh. So we chopped up all the other jack-o'-lanterns and threw them to the deer and watched them eat it. So that was kind of a cool experience. Um, oh, oh yeah. 
You're not supposed to feed the animals, so that, maybe <laughs> I maybe I dreamt that we did that, but it was still cool. Another place to stay is called Yosemite West, and you'll see a lot of advertisements for Yosemite West. I don't recommend staying there. Yosemite West has a great view of El Capitan. It's outside the valley, but a huge fire went there, went through there um, back in the 90s, I believe. And so there's no vet- there's no trees to offer shade. So if you don't care about shade, stay at Yosemite West. If you want a place that where you're not going to burn in the summertime, I wouldn't recommend that place. Another place to stay is as is uh, near the turnoff for Glacier Point. There's also a turnoff to um, it's called Scenic Wonders, and these are also cabins. They're beautiful cabins that um, they rent out to people. I stayed there actually. Had a beautiful cabin, like I said, but what I don't like about this is all the streets were very steep. So we couldn't really get out and walk anywhere. We could, but then you'd either be, you're really hiking up or hiking down and you're walking on the street. There's no real trails or anything over there. And a lot of people like staying there because it's closer to the valley. It's probably going to take you half an hour to get to the valley from those homes Whereas if you stay at the Redwoods in Yosemite, it's going to take you a good 45 minutes to get there from from Redwoods in Yosemite. But I still recommend Redwoods in Yosemite. I think it's just beautiful. That's 15 minutes from the entrance um, to the park. So if you're going to go there on a weekend or short time, my recommendations are you go to the valley. You have to go to Glacier Point. And you have to go to Mariposa Grove. You can go to Mariposa Grove as you're leaving to see some of the big trees. And you don't have to take the tram. You can actually walk a little ways to go see them. They're just really beautiful. If you want to take an alternate route home and you want to see more of the high country, I recommend taking the 120 going up to the Tioga Pass. You can only do this during the summertime. And what's going to happen is you're going to see these grandiose vistas uh, there's no other way to explain it it's just so beautiful have you ever been on the Tioga road michael yes many many times okay so you know what i'm talking about oh yeah it's gorgeous but you're right it, it's closed generally in the winter opens up shortly before easter unless there's still snow right so and so there's always uh talk about you know when is the road opening and sometimes it doesn't open till june just or mm-hmm. it'll open and then they'll close it again because they'll have a snow up there but if you go over the Tioga Pass, um, which is, again, what I recommend, take a lunch with you. You're going to end up at a place called Olmsted Point, and you're going to see Half Dome from the other side and these other huge peaks. And uh, there's ravens up there and other. It's just really beautiful. Um, when I do do a blog, I'll have some pictures from this point. Continue on the road, and you get to the entrance to what they call Tuolumne Meadows. Now, Tuolumne Meadows is 10,000 feet high. And there's a lake up there named after uh, one of the Awanichi chiefs, and his name was Tanaya. And he was the chief that was being chased by the Mariposa Battalion when they discovered Yosemite. This lake is absolutely gorgeous. There's a picnic area up there. And when I was there in June, there there was actually somebody swimming in the lake. Now, this lake is fed by glaciers and snow water. So I think the person was insane that was swimming there. 
<laughs> had to be. I barely put my, my toes in there. But, um, as you go through there and you, and I would recommend a picnic at, at Tanaya Lake, continue on and you're going to see Tuolumne Meadows and the river meanders through these meadows. Beautiful, beautiful drive. And if you come back to LA that way, drive through the meadows. They have a general store. There's a place to stay. They have a campground up there and they also have tent cabins up there if you want to stay there. Continue down. You, as you come down the eastern side, you'll see that it becomes very dry. And you'll see Mona Lake in the distance, which is a huge uh, round lake with an island in the middle. And it looks like a moonscape around it. Because there's, I, th- I believe it's salt in the lake. There's alkaline, excuse me, right? Yes. It's, it's alkaline in the lake. So it's got these things like tufa, I think is what they're called. And there's these pro- projections that come out, but it's pretty fascinating to see. And if you come back that way to Los Angeles, you're going to go in the 395 South. You're going to pass a town called Bishop and you're going to pass a town called Lone Pine. When you get to Lone Pine, stop. Ask somebody where Mount Whitney is, and you can see the tallest mountain in the uh, contiguous the f- contiguous forty eight states, the tallest point in our states, not counting Alaska, and it's Mount Whitney. You can actually see it from the road, and you can ask somebody where it is. That's if you want to come that way. If you don't feel like driving over Tioga Road, and I think it's. Seven to eight hours coming. No, I'll say nine hours. I'll be, I'll be conservative to come back from Yosemite over the Tioga Road. Just because you're coming, it takes an hour to get up to Tuolumne Meadows, drive through it, and then come down. If you decide you don't want to take that road and you're going to come back via the 41, you can do so. And what I've done with uh, my family is actually driven the three hours it takes to Sequoia and driven through Sequoia to come back home. But that's a whole nother podcast. I mean, (laughs) a whole nother segment. So I'll explain more about that um, at another time. I have a suggestion for another evening activity in the Valley, Yosemite Valley, because Carol and I were there a few years ago for friends who had uh, their wedding up at Glacier Point. And we were, uh, we were staying, I think we were staying at Yosemite Lodge and it was very nice. But, you know, there, there's no phone, no television in the room. So we're looking for activities at night for the, you know, the wedding party. And so they had this nighttime tour where basically they have these large, like, flatbed trucks with, with um, bench seats on them. And they take you in a nighttime tour of Yosemite Valley, a narrated tour. And it was like... It was, it was, it was a full moon that night. I was going to ask you if and it was a full moon because that's a whole it was, different landscape. It completely, it was like driving through Ansel Adams photographs. It was gorgeous. And then, um, and at one point when we were at the base of, I think it was Half Dome and, you know, people are, it, it, you know, they're, they're sleeping hanging on the edge as they're scaling it. And they're sleeping overnight. He had a shout to them, and they all turned on their flashlights. Oh, that, that's probably so El Capitan that you guys went. Oh, it's by. El Capitan. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And they were. Yeah. And that was really cool to see all these people that are just hanging there, you know, sleeping. That's amazing. Then, that would be so and then, cool. 
it, it, it's, it was a fantastic trip. And it was a little on the cool side because this was, it, this was an autumn wedding. And then we go to the famous, you know, overlook after the tunnel. And there, as we're looking out, they, uh, they break out the hot chocolate. And I think they offered cookies too. And so we could enjoy hot chocolate while overlooking the valley and the full moon. And, and then we headed on back. And this was at the visitor center where it departs. I want to do that. that. And it, it's, yeah, if they, I know they don't offer them all the time. So definitely if you know you're heading up there, check it out to see if they're offering this tour. It's well worth it. I'm glad you said that too, because at the visitor center, you can ask them what tours do they offer over there. And that same flatbed truck that you're talking about, Michael, they have tours of the valley where they'll take you around. Um, everywhere with that, or you can take a bus tour up to Glacier Point if you don't have, um, if you don't want to drive up there and they'll just be explaining everything. I, we, when my friend and I went on the hike, we took the, it was a tour bus. They only charged us, um, the one way, not the full tour, but we were able to hear, um, what they were talking about. And I was thinking, oh, shoot, I want to stay on here and listen to everything they have to say. It's so interesting. But I like the nighttime tour. Yeah. And they have a lot of ranger activities because yeah. a lot of parks have discontinued those for budget reasons. They have a, they have a lot of them at Yosemite and family oriented ones, uh, you know, ranger led hikes, nature hikes. So definitely check that out. Right. When you're visiting. And they also have, um, if you like to, if you like to take pictures, they also have picture taking tours or, or, or walks, picture taking walks with a ranger. And they'll, and they're free, which is, which is fantastic when you go over there. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, will you give me maybe a couple pictures and we'll put them in the show notes so people sure. can see? Oh, I have a ton of pictures. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go back. That's, it's truly, it's truly my favorite place. And if anybody has any questions, please email me at maryjo at www.info.com. I'm happy to answer them or Michael or catch me on Facebook if you'd like to. And some of the most beautiful wedding pictures I've ever seen were from um, one of our listeners, Vicki, when she and her husband, Mr. California, got married. I, I couldn't believe how beautiful the pictures are. And she, she told me, she says, it's hard to take bad pictures in Yosemite Valley, <laughs> which is true. But Awesome. Thank you, Mary Jo. Sure. Thank you, Michael. That's going to do it for this segment of the Design Plug. Be sure to catch all of our other Disneyland shows this week. And, of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.